Good evening. Today is Monday, July 17th, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter is more about alcoholism, and our speaker tonight is Ken. Thank you, Ken. Well, thank you. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, I, I recognize some familiar names, I think. Um, and uh, the chapter is more about alcoholism, and, and there are that's our wonderful three example chapter of Jim, Fred, and the, the Jaywalker. Um, and I was uh, wondering, you know, what I could bring to this august <laughs> group here. Um, and I, um, a couple of things. I, I think one is, is the, the emphasis on honesty um, early on in this uh, chapter, it does uh, talk about um, testing myself uh, with regard to whether or not I think I am or not a compulsive overeater. And it, that's where it says, go to the nearest bar room and try some controlled drinking, good old control. Um, and then it says, uh, it will not take long for you to decide if this is that big if word in here. If you are honest with yourself about it. Ah, oh, there's the rub. Honest. Um, I, I put my foot into OA for the first time in 1985. And um, at that point, I was three years in another program and abstaining in that program. Uh, and have been ever since uh, in that from that particular addiction. Um, and I got real smart in the process about the 12 steps, about addiction and everything else. And um, I was convinced um, I, I was convinced I could take care of my eating problems. I was fat, overweight, always as I can remember, and, um, you know, the fat family on the block and all that kind of thing. And so I was used to uh, the ridicule that comes with that. Um, and also the limitations physically um, with respect to sports and, and other things. Um, so um, I knew I really needed to take care of myself in some way or another. And uh, I was acting out uh, all of my addictions with food once I stopped the other. And um, that included all of the dishonesty about what I was eating, how much I was eating, when I was eating, um, how often. And um, it, it just wreaked havoc on uh, my relationship to my partner in life, whom. Uh, has stayed with me through it all, which is uh, an absolute utter miracle. Um, but uh, and and she's one of my greatest supporters. I'll put it that way. I just don't know how I get through some of this sometimes. Uh, but she stuck it out with me through all of the years of relapse after relapse after relapse after relapse, devastating kinds of. Um, bottoms along the way where I was just broken 
or at least I thought I was fully broken, but I couldn't get honest with myself. I didn't really want to be a compulsive overeater. And I didn't certainly didn't want to have anything to do with the abstinence that I understand today. <clears throat> um, I've been in touch with this big book for a long time. Um, the first four chapters plus the preface. Um, well, I just didn't spend a lot of time in that. In the other program, we, we would read how it works at every meeting. And that's kind of where we started, how it works. There's the steps, go for it. And um, that worked in the other program. Um, and that's what I brought to Overeaters Anonymous, that, oh my goodness, it worked there. I just keep doing what I'm doing. Some, for some, all I have to do is admit, uh, get a little honest with myself, and I can do this deal. Um, just, just fine. You know, I didn't have to really um, get any deeper into it. And that, uh, I think deep down inside, I still thought I could control things. Uh, the reality is I couldn't. Uh, as those three stories seem to tell us, uh, as much as they may have wanted to stop, they could not. And, um, and they were baffled, a baffled lot. <laughs> uh, I was one of those baffled lot folk. Um, I, just, I just couldn't stop. And I had times when I had just finished the devotional time and praying and saying, God, don't let me get up and eat. And next I got up and ate, and it was crushing. It's a crushing blow to, to realize that I just had no control over that. And um, so after in and out and in and out and over and around and under and through and all kinds of ways to, to not be um, abstinent and uh, recovered in this, in this program, uh, I finally reached what I hope to be, and I sense to be um, the last bottom I can tolerate. And that was three years ago, and um, been abstinent since, and become very involved in a, a particular meeting that, that's very close to me, uh, which I attend every day, and sun including Sundays. And um, that has... Uh, changed my whole attitude and outlook upon life, as it says. Um, the, um, the thing that really did it for me is uh, I had to get past this willpower thing. Um, I had to get past my sense that there's maybe a way I could do this my way, um, that uh, a little help here and there from some folk would be a good idea. Um, sponsor, eh, I already knew all the steps and I had already worked the steps a couple of times in the other program. Um, there was one major piece missing in all of this. Um, I thought I knew everything uh, there was to know about addiction and alcohol and the like. Um, I've been around so long. I mean, I just had don't you know who I am kind of syndrome. Uh, thought I just had it all together and knew who, what was going on. But what I missed was um, 
I know this is more about alcohol than step one. Um, step one was the hardest one for me to take with respect to food. Um, it was through help of people who studied this book intensely um, that I have come to understand my addiction in a whole other way, including the other addiction, frankly. <laughs> it has taught me so much about myself and my relationship to certain behaviors that are addictive, that are uh, compulsive, that, that show up in many, many forms. And uh, they just seem to keep popping up all over the place. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting better at it. I really am. But um, the, the, I started the process of going through the big book, this one paragraph at a time concept. And they started on the title page of the book. Now, <laughs> how many of you have read the title page? How, how many read the title page? There's not a lot on it. But who reads it? And it talks about recovered, and then it moves into forwards and uh, that sort of thing, and uh, talks about success rate and a little bit here and there. But the thing that eluded me all these years was, well, originally chapter one in the first printing, the doctor's opinion. They changed it when they kept printing because they thought maybe it should be an alcoholic and not a doctor leading the thing off. Um, so the doctor's opinion became the preface. And, um, but uh, that's what eluded me. That's, uh, you know, I pick up a book to read. I don't read the preface. <laughs> I want to get to the meat. I want to get to the story. Um, I missed the preface uh, in the big book. And that changed my life to really finally get into what it says in the doctor's opinion about uh, what, what I'm dealing with, what my addiction is, what my malady is, um, the allergy of the body and the compulsion of the body, a compulsion of the mind, also thinking. And um, boy, it just changed everything. It's the only place I believe that we can start <laughs> and really get a handle on where this is going. That was true for me. And I needed that. And then that forced me into some really tough looking at uh, chapters one, two, three, and four, before I even got to whatever I always started before in chapter five. Um, and um, part of the problem was is I would read or be at a meeting every time they would say, Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed their path. Those who don't are the ones who can't be honest. Well, I couldn't be honest. So how was I going to get anywhere? There's nowhere to get to. It wasn't until I fully accepted and embraced the doctor's opinion and the nature of, of uh, my addiction to food that I could start, really, to start getting well. Um, the uh, just the other thing I wanted to kind of point to in the chapter is um, <laughs> looking at the stories. And I'm, I'm back here with um, Fred's story, which is a good one. <laughs> I like Fred's story. But it's interesting that he gets to a place where 
he's saying, uh, I rather appreciated your ideas about the subtle insanity and all that. And I'm thinking the same thing. Yeah, that's all nice information. That's good information. Um, but, and there's the yes, but uh, in all of these stories, but um, I was confident I could, I, that wouldn't happen to me. Uh, what I learned, what I knew, or what I thought I knew, uh, I, I was going to be fine. I, I had enough understanding to handle this myself. And I've been successful in some other things. Of course, I've been successful in the other program. My goodness. Uh, certainly, I could do this uh, other deal. And um, the one line that really jumps out for me <laughs> is that um, he'd be successful where you men, other people, failed. And then he says, I felt I had every right. And when I read the sentence, I said, wait a minute. I felt I. Now, wait a minute. When, when did I become a feeling? Um, but that's what he said. And I could relate to that. I felt I, and it was another way of me saying, I am my own emotional center and all that matters to me. That's it. It's all about me. Don't you know? Uh, I felt I, that's all I felt, so to speak. No feeling, but just, it was all about me, all about me, all about me. Uh, I, I've come to understand it really isn't all about me at all, obviously. Um, it's about a power greater than myself that has solved my problem with a number of things, uh, a number of addictions in, in my life. Um, and that's the good news. Uh, at least that's the good news for me and what I have experienced uh, along the way. I love to say I, one of the things that in spite of everything I have known, and I'm not a dummy, I'm a educated person, as most of us are to some degree. Um, but I had to come to the place where I could say to myself, and I could say to others, you know, you know, when you know that you don't know. That's when it really sunk in. And you don't have a clue. You just plain don't have a clue how to do this all by yourself. And um, that just changed everything for me because I just relied on my understanding, able to figure things out and figure, <laughs> figure it out isn't a slogan. I've heard that before and it's not a slogan, um, but I felt that I could always, I, 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 I felt confident that I could figure it out. Um, I couldn't until I finally, finally understood that I was indeed powerless, that it was going to take a power greater than myself, and that as much as I did not want to, and as someone so uh, wonderfully says regularly <laughs> in our meetings, I needed to surrender, surrender, surrender. <laughs> um, I had never surrendered to this addiction in all those years. And I didn't get a whole lot of help in the meetings that I was attended. I was going to the meetings I like to go to because they didn't confront me. 
and they didn't challenge me and they didn't uh, suggest things that would be really a good idea for you to do, Ken. Um, I didn't want to hear any of that. I just wanted to be able to say, well, I'm going to meetings. I am going to meetings. Isn't that enough? Um, I've come to understand that there are a whole lot of things that I was doing that have absolutely nothing to do with being recovered. Um, they were nice, good things to do. Nothing wrong with them, but they just weren't the focus that was going to get me uh, abstinent and, and stay abstinent and become active and actually want to be at meetings. <laughs> First meeting I went to, I've said it before, was 1985. Walked into the room. There were 30 women there and myself. And I said, there's not, oh, this isn't right. <laughs> there's something wrong here. I, I thought at first I was in the wrong meeting, uh, wrong place. There was some other meeting. Um, I, that kept me away for a while. And it took a while. because it, it took a while for men to start showing up and, and coming around on a regular basis. But uh, I had to get past all that. You know, it just... Um, I had to let go of so much that I thought I knew and understood just so I could get out of my own way and start to really embrace what's going on here. And um, abstinence is not the most important thing in my life today. God is the God of my understanding. There's nothing more important than that power greater than myself, than uh, there, there is nothing more important. There can't be. Uh, if I ever let that not be priority number one, I'm in trouble. I'm just guaranteed to try to do it myself, and that's a lost cause. And I think that's probably enough, and uh, <laughs> just let it go. And uh, I'd just love to hear, y'all, there's plenty of folk here. Um, whatever you have to share would be great. Thanks. Thank you so much, Ken. Okay. Having trouble with this thing. <laughs> okay. Um, we will now open the meeting for questions or for three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you would like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions, or star nine if you're on the phone. And the Zoom host will call the raised. No, I don't. I think we need to change that. I will call the raised hands in order, um, and Lisa will unmute you when it's your turn. Okay, so Ken, let's uh, or not Ken, uh, Jim rather. Let's continue to time, please. And uh, if uh, Ken has asked a question, let's allow him um, three minutes to answer. All right, so Sherry A, you are first. Hey everybody, thank you so much everybody for the meeting and thanks Ken um, for your share. And thank you for just like taking it directly to dishonesty because that is, so, oh man, when it talks about like the disease being cunning and baffling, dishonesty is that like, and, and what you said about, you know, all like all of the 
like all of the dudes uh, in the chapter. Um, it just takes, it's just really like, it just takes, it takes like disaster and near disaster, right? That's what it takes. And for me, I am really grateful to have this meeting to come to, to have a meeting to come to, because I am a compulsive overeater. And um, I just want to share that, you know, uh, my coworkers know that, uh, well, one of my coworkers knows that I'm a recovery compulsive overeater. Um, well, everyone knows something happened because like there's, you know, 140 pounds less of me. So anyone with eyes knows that something happened to me. Um, but today I felt really uncomfortable. Um, I prepare my food and we happen to be, I'm traveling, but um, we're close to one of my, where my, one of my coworkers lives. And uh, I, you know, she knows she takes me to the store. Like she takes me to the store when we have meetings, she takes me to the store. I go back to her house and I cook. It's beautiful. She's wonderful. Um, but I think I just really needed to share out of the honesty of sometimes there's this thing that happens and people are like, wow, Jerry, you're like cooking your food and it's healthy. And obviously my one friend, she knows why, because I'm sick and like food will kill me if I don't do what I do every day. But I just, I really, I'm kind of glad you let off with the thing about honesty because like, I just like, I have, yeah, I have to be honest. And, and I picked up a different cooking spray at the store and you know what? I'm like, I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm just going to talk to my sponsor about it because I'm a compulsive overeater. And because I don't hold any information about food because I can't. And the food doesn't call to me. Um, but if there is something that bothers me, it, it, it all has to go back to honesty. Um, and yeah, I'm just so glad that there's a meeting to come to on a day where I am out of sorts um, and, and traveling and be reminded that my higher power has got me and this program has got me. And just be able to show up and say, yes, I surrender. I surrender. Um, and I'm just really glad that we have this program and that I can surrender and I don't have it's to go back to what I used to do. Thank you. All right. Bye. Thank you, Sherry. And Liz, you are next. Hi, I'm Liz, compulsive overeater. Um, thanks, Ken. It was great. I also appreciated the honesty aspect. Um, and I actually had a question. Um, I guess I was wondering how your actions change, like once you got honest, because I think you said you've been going to meetings for a while, but weren't recovered. So like what changed after you started being honest? <laughs> Thanks. Uh, probably just about everything. Thank you for the question. Um, well, for one, it, it allowed me to stop hiding which was uh, one of the primary aspects of my addiction. Uh, it was private. I, I, I just hid a lot. Uh, I, was, I was never quite comfortable in my own skin and I wasn't quite comfortable with who I was and uh, what I did. Uh, at some level, I felt deep shame and uh, 
I lived in that shame for a long, long time. <clears throat> and uh, it wasn't until uh, I was able to get on and realize that there was this imposter, if you will, living inside of me, acting out. And I came to understand that, in fact, that was not who I am. And that's not who I am today. I, uh, who I uh, am and who I was then, who was just totally overwhelmed by dishonesty, hiding, sneaking, uh, stealing, you name it, all that stuff that goes with it. And it wasn't, <clears throat> all those behaviors are gone now. They're, they have been put aside because it's okay for me to be me. And that's a miracle. That is an absolute miracle. It took forever for me to even begin to consider that I was worthy of uh, recovery, worthy of uh, love and grace and all of those, those things that come with surrender. Um, and that certainly impacted my relationship to Chris, my wife for, for many, many years. Uh, lots and lots of struggle, turmoil. We stayed together through it. It'll be 52 years in September, and that's a miracle. Uh, that's a change. <laughs> and uh, she's my very best friend, and um, I wouldn't change a thing today. Um, so those are some of the changes that have come along the way, just that freedom to be who I am. Thank you. Thank you so much for the question and the answer. Okay, Meredith. Hey everybody, Meredith, compulsive, uh, recovered compulsive old reader um, in Nashville. That was so beautiful. <laughs> um, I'm thinking about honesty too, and that that's the reason it took me so long, not since 1985. You got me on that one, Ken. Boy, that's a long time. But I think that I have to remember to speak for myself. I just, I didn't realize my whole life was a lie. And it it takes a while. It took a while for me. It, it just had to be very um, gentle. I wasn't, I don't know, I could, I guess I couldn't deal with, uh, well, I knew it all. So nobody could tell me that I was being dishonest because I knew better. So I couldn't hear it until, you know, I just ran my life into the ground. So um, I was thinking also, well, the way you you told your story really your um your knowledge and understanding was a liability it's it's a liability in this program and that it's good to be reminded of that um i don't think i heard um i didn't hear the set aside prayer until about I don't know, maybe three years ago or something, but, and then I now I hear it all the time, which is great. Um, also, I thought, wow, you're a pioneer to, I've, I've, um, I mean, I've even showed up on Zoom meetings before that were all men, you know, it was a mistake, but I can't imagine in 1985, 
walking into a room with only women, that's brave. <laughs> um, and then you said how, you know, until men started coming around too, I think you're a brave lot. I mean, it still is mostly women. So I'm so glad that you had the courage to keep showing up and um, being with us tonight. Let me say, let me just look real quick. Uh, oh gosh, that went, that piece about honesty allowing you to, to stop hiding. That's been, I mean, one of the greatest gifts. And when people describe, you know, when, when we say it's a life beyond my wildest dreams, I, I never could have fathomed that I didn't have to wear a mask and I didn't have to put on. Gentle uh, reminder. Thank you. Um, that I didn't have to be an imposter all the time. And it's such a relief. Thank you so much, Ken. I just, I love your shares and um, I appreciate you being here tonight. Thank you, Meredith. Nancy P. Hi, I'm Nancy P. Recovering West Newton, Massachusetts. Ken, great to hear you. Um, finally putting a face to a voice. I've heard you on the phone many times. Um, so I think, you know, the man of 30, Jim, Fred, and the jaywalker all show me what's not going to work. You know, fear isn't going to work. Desire isn't going to work. Humiliation isn't going to work. And time isn't going to work. The only thing that's going to work, the only thing that worked for me anyways, was um, surrender. And, you know, eating, my eating was what beat me into a state of reasonableness. I never, I mean, uh, I love them all. I love all those stories for different reasons. I love the suddenly in Jim, suddenly, I always tell my sponsors what that sentence actually should read is, suddenly I decided to drink, which is what I had planned to do all along. That's what it should say. But it says suddenly it's something else. Like suddenly I decided I could have whiskey in my milk. And, you know, if I could have done 25 years of, of staying away from food the way that the man of 30 did with alcohol, I would have taken that in a heartbeat, in a heartbeat. Um, and then Fred, some, some time passed and I began to feel like I maybe made too much of a big, you know, too much of a, um, you know, too much of a small, a small thing when he decides. So some time passed. I always tell my sponsors with me about 15 minutes without eating was, was about like, I think oh, I got this lick, no problem. I think I'll test it by having, you know, going out and getting something to eat. And, you know, and I did all kinds of dangerous things with food. Um, like the jaywalker, because I wasn't ready to admit that I um, that I was a compulsive overeater of the hopeless variety, not any other kind of other kind other you know varieties. The H variety, like I like to talk about blood types. If I try to, you know, take something, you know, if I had to, if I needed blood in an operation or something, and they gave me something other than what my blood type was, I could die from that. And if I try to use anything other than, you know, this what only what the most hopeless people have to use anything else i'm going to be not die immediately but i'm going to be um, going on to the bitter end i'm going to be it's going to be death by a thousand cuts 
and you know you did talk you talked about honesty i didn't i didn't even know what that meant i didn't even know what that meant i thought i didn't you know the idea that i didn't have to live that way first of all i didn't even know that i was living in a certain way i had no idea that there was something else out there and um you know i tell my sponsees that um that they don't you know that that they're not that far away from where they need to be i really believe Mental that reminder yeah, nobody is that far from where you need to be. Look at your feet, make sure they're moving forward, and that's all you got to worry about. That'll pass. Thank you, Nancy. Dana. Hi, I'm Dana, a compulsive overeater. Um, can your, um, well, for starters, it's great to be here. I love this meeting so much. <laughs> I just really look forward to Mondays. Um, just seeing people and there's just a warmth here. I just can't, I really can't describe it, but it's so, it's great. Um, anyways, thank you everyone for making this meeting a meeting. Um, and Ken, your share was so powerful, so calm and consistent and easy and just packed a real punch. <laughs> no, you might not have known it while you were listening, but it, it, it's a, it was a powerhouse speech and, or, you know, share and, um, I think that echoing what someone previously said, this idea about honesty, that um, being able to stop hiding and, and not even really understanding what that means or what it looks like until you start doing it, you know, it's truly, uh, it's, 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 a, it's, it's just a kind of, I don't know, it's a real gift to, to, to even begin to understand that I'm hiding or how I'm hiding. And the prospect of being able to stop that hiding is a wonderful, wonderful prospect. So I, I thank you so much for your focus on honesty and how pivotal honesty is in recovery. Uh, and I'll pass. Thank you, Dana. And Lisa, will you stop the recording, please?